Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. from Dope Nostalgia Podcast, and this is our episode 152, featuring the rock band The Flies. They had a huge hit with the song Got You Where I Want You, and Joshua Paskowitz from the band is joining us today to talk about the history and what he's up to now, of course, as always. I just wanted to take a moment to give a huge shout out to an amazing listener of ours named Annie Calderon. She's always such a sweetheart and has such nice things to say all the time on our social media. Thank you, Annie. I just wanted to take this moment just to give you a sincere thank you for always giving us such nice comments on our Instagram. And yeah, we really appreciate you. Now let's talk a little bit about the flies. Wikipedia moment. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is the real truth. The Flies were an American rock band formed in Hollywood in 1994 and on indefinite hiatus since 2012. They had success with the 1998 alternative top five hit, Got You Where I Want You, produced by Chris Goss, the video for which featured actors Katie Holmes and James Marston. Got You Where I Want You was featured on their second album, Holiday Man, in 1998, and also appeared on the soundtrack for the 1998 MGM film Disturbing Behavior, which starred Holmes and Marston. Their music is also featured in the Crow Salvation soundtrack with the track What You Want. She's So Huge was featured on the 2001 film Sugar and Spice. The band has shared the stage and also toured with many other well-known acts and rock bands since the beginning in the mid-1990s when Adam and Josh first put the band together. Two members of the band, of course, Adam Paskowitz and Josh Paskowitz, are the sons of Doc Paskowitz, described by the New York Times as the first family of surfing. With the single Got You Where I Want You reaching number five on the modern rock charts and featured in Disturbing Behavior, the Fly's 1998 album Holiday Man reached number 109 on the Billboard charts. A second single, She's So Huge, peaked at number 32 on the modern rock charts. Then in 2000, the Flies released their third album, Out of My Way. The album contained the single Losing It, as well as two samples from two songs by the Beach Boys from their Pet Sounds album, Here Today and Caroline No. The Flyers toured many times during the band's lifespan, opening for other well-known groups. After their last tour, the band went on hiatus. Around 2007, the band found actor-musician Jordan Lawson to play bass, Rob Jones to play drums, and George Castells to play guitar. In 2008, they announced on their MySpace page that they had returned with an iTunes single, a cover of the Beatles' Hey Jude, along with a remake of their biggest hit, Got You Where I Want You, 2008. What have they been up to? Well, that's why we got Josh Paskowitz on the show today to tell us all about the flies, the history, and his amazing life. Welcome, Joshua. Hey, what's up? 
Oh, it's nice to meet you. Do you like being called Josh or Joshua better? I don't care as long as you don't call me late for dinner. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, thanks for making time to be on Dope Nostalgia today. I really appreciate that. Uh, It's my pleasure. I mean, let me get, let me shed some light on this situation. I'm just at home. That's cool. uh, Chilling. I'm, uh, I am painting. This is what I do. I paint. Oh, that's fantastic. Like waves and surfers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so super psyched on it. It's like, um, Ah. I really figured it out. Like I figured out a way to tie in my whole background and upbringing and everything into something that I'm really passionate about. Oh, I even got a Chris Cornell one. (gasps) Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're very talented. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, um, you know, I taught myself everything I know, including how to read and write and all that. And, Mm. um, you know, I just, I never set any limitations on myself and just kind of assumed in a really weird narcissistic way that I was, um, entitled to just step on stage and, and, and do whatever. Like I never felt intimidated or weirded out. It was like, uh, give me, give me the mic. Let me go for it. And uh, um, yeah, had a great time. No kidding. Um, is your whole family musical? I know that uh, you're from a very well, famous family of surfing legacy. Yes, yes, yes. So. Um, well, I should, I shouldn't laugh. My brother Israel was world champ. My brother Jonathan was essentially world champ. I mean, they, they, they invested a lot into surfing and. My brother Israel's foundation for autism, Surfers Healing, has been giving back uh, uh, through, you know, surfing for mm-hmm. the last 25 years in a really fundamental way. I, and I'm very proud of my brothers for that. Um, but yeah, we, our mom was an opera singer and a, and a total performer and just an amazing woman, just an absolutely amazing woman. Sadly, we lost her last year but i mean she was 86 years old so i mean what an amazing woman and and she really shared her love and her passion for music with us and um from you know zero years old she was you know she could sing like a mofo so i was treated to like you know like ella fitzgerald type tones um you know beautiful tones uh wow ever since I was a little kid. So I was, I was super psyched on music my whole life. And also, you know, drawing, sketching and envisioning like art stuff, like visual arts. That was just, that was just what I did my whole life. I never once thought like, oh, well, I should be a certified public accountant or whatever. <clears throat> and to this day, I'm horrible at everything else. And I suck at life. <laughs> But then if, if you do, if on certain things, I rip, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, yeah, I'm really having a lot of fun being a dad and, um, I have a beautiful 14 year old son and a amazing, uh, 12 year old daughter. And, uh, you know, I just, I live through them. They're, they're, they're amazing. And I'm so happy, but for me to fully live, I have to, uh, be myself mm-hmm. and to be myself I have to be engaged with the music I can't just be a lame just I can't I just I've, I've done so much with music and I've invested so much of my life and 
you know, when people say, oh, I've played every, every rat hole from here to Czechoslovakia, like I've actually done that. Like <laughs> I, I was, I was playing a shithole on the fucking Danube and mm. like, I would, it was so rad and I'm so blessed to have had those experiences and also blessed to have cared about the eminence of the rock heritage that I was a part of and being mm. psyched to open up for Lenny Kravitz or, you know, somebody that I really love, like Tripping Daisy or, um, I mean, we opened for the Rolling Stones. That was like our real big, like, kind of, we, we've arrived type moment. We were like, my brother Adam and I were like, what the French toast is going on here? <laughs> It's like you can't believe this is your life. You're, that this is really happening. It was absolutely ridiculous. We were we were in the um, we were, but like I said, I you know I had a pink like cockatiel hairdo. I was wearing a white aloha shirt with like pink. I was, I was so I was super into Manson at the time. It was so lame, and um, <laughs> I was just I thought I you know I thought I I, I knew what I was doing, and uh, unfortunately. You know that that whole situation was very much um, driven by industry success and the and the and the smell of industry like uh, acumen. Like somehow, like we knew what we were doing. Especially my brother Adam. My brother Adam really got people to believe in his approach and his. You know, I mean, music is a business, and he was like he could confront those guys that were like super gnarly, like business dudes. And he could really, he could really engage them in a way where they felt like, you know, he wasn't just the dude, you know what I mean? He was, he, he was really good at it. And I was proud of him for that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately everything blew up, but, um, but yeah, the flies was really fun. It was, it was really cool. Now the success of got you where I want to. Now that's something I'm sure you've talked about many times, but I was reading the wiki and it says the song is about a desperate attempt to pick up women in bars. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That, it was, that's true. It's uh, it, it's loosely based on our former uh, tour manager, road manager, whatever, uh, our friend John Bevilacqua, mm. who. Um, was you know he was he, he he was giving it all he had like he <laughs> he didn't have all of the blessings that you know everyone else did but he was trying 10 times harder and um he 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 was he was funny and my brother adam um was like just kind of lampooning his, his his amazing effort and his inability to be uh disappoint disappointed by countless failure um and he, he was really he was a really funny guy but thinking back on it it was kind of mean we were kind of mean well how but, does he feel about are you still talking to him to this day that fool no of course not <laughs> um, but um but yeah we were a little bit mean we were kind of i was kind of full of myself i was like um I went on the radio and was would like talk shit on other bands and stuff, which is totally lame. 
And, but I thought I was so cool and I thought I had such good taste about everything and da, da, da. And really, I just needed to be on like antidepressants. I was not, it wasn't, mm. wasn't like I had such a good uh, uh, insight into everything. I was just, I was just sad. So thankfully, I am out of that negative kind of mindset and more um, focused on the things that excite me and, mm. you know, focusing on the music that uh, inspires me and, uh, you know, being less of a, less of an asshole. Well, I'm happy to hear that you're doing much better. Yeah, yeah. I am. I really um, am. I don't know much about surfing cause I'm a landlocked person. I'm up in Canada in, in like the prairies. Okay. <laughs> so I've always <clears throat> really been interested in like beginning surfer tips, like, if yeah. I go out to the ocean, things, what are things that you should never do when uh, you get well, out there? Number one thing is never turn your back on the ocean. Yeah. Because the ocean can be very uh, sudden. Um, and uh, also, I would say, um, I was a surf instructor my whole life. So I'm like a, you know, I've taught a lot of people how to serve. I've taught like, you know, famous people, um, rich people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm -hmm. I did it my whole life. So I'm like a seventh level cabana boy. I know exactly how to like angle the umbrella for the wind. And I, you know, I can take you out surfing even if you've never been surfing. And it's a really cool skill to have. So anyway, um, I would tell you this, definitely go surfing in some place where you're visibly a in a beginner place, mm. right? Number one, number two, that the lifeguard has a visual of you and that you're like on the inside, which is, you know, not catching the wave before it's broken, but more when it reforms and you're right there in front of the lifeguard, you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. And then as far as the form of the whole thing, really, the, um, the best thing that I could say, and, and one of the things that I told my surf students was that the, like uh, the yoga pose called the cobra, mm. where you're like kind of like holding your upper body up, but your lower body is like your hips are pinned to the floor kind of deal. Mm -hmm. That is for sure the deal for learning how to do the pop-up because the pop-up in surfing is kind of a little bit hard for some people. And the pop-up is like when you catch the wave and then you get to your feet mm -hmm. and um, it can be, it can be a lot for depending upon, you know, your skill level and your whatever, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, surfing is, I got my, uh, my Kaha hat on. Uh, this nice. is uh, the um, rail sun, you know, queen of Kaha, uh, the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, actually, I'm very, um, I'm very much leaning into my whole surf heritage thing and very excited about being able to be a part of that uh, culture and that community. I love those guys. I love the, um, I love the history of it all. And I kind of, I'm, I'm um, really grateful that my dad had such a kind of a cool vision of investing so much of our lives into the sport of surfing and <clears throat> just what that meant as far as like placing me in a zone where, you know, I don't know. It was like, it was kind of like, he kind of forced me to 
he, he aligned me onto a path that I'm very grateful for. And um, I guess that's why I named my kid after him. But oh, um, nice. yeah, yeah, he, he was stoked on that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of great places to learn how to surf. Uh, Hawaii, you know, the Beach Boys at Waikiki, that's the n- number one best thing you could ever do. Mm. Um, and they've been doing it since the turn of the century. So yeah. they definitely know what they're doing. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to go for like an experienced surfer? I'm, I'm not an experienced surfer. My brothers made me uh, push like, like, you know, first time surfers my whole life while they were out surfing and, and yeah. being cooked. so, so I'm in the state of like perpetual cookdom. Like I, 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 I'll never be a good surfer. I, I can teach anyone how to surf, but I'm more of like a, just a squibber. I'm like a, a, a underwater, like a, like a clam digger, like a, like a, an otter. I've been called an otter, <laughs> man. You know, I'm more of a, a bobber and a dipper and a, you know, I'm not cool enough to be a surfer. I'm just like, you know, uh, with my fins on carrying people through the ocean. And, uh, but, but everybody's happy. Everybody loves it. And people yeah. absolutely love surfing. And it's such an honor uh, and a pleasure and a privilege to be able to share that mm. uh, sport with people. I don't teach people how to surf anymore because I can't physically. It's not, I can't, it's too hard. But, um, but I definitely, you know, need to get more back out in the water. And recently we performed and, uh, had a proper show with my new band star zero. And, uh, we had, we had a, we had a really nice show at this place. Uh, it was like a proper like club show and everyone was up at the stage with their hands up and it was like super fun. So I went a little bit crazy, like my, my normal, you know, kind of deal that i do really into ozzy osbourne as like a model for my performance and um so i went crazy and i just lost all my breath and i kicked the mic cable out and i fell over and i just made a total fool of myself nobody knew right nobody nobody could tell but inside i was just dying and just like wheezing and just it was sad (laughs) I literally at one point said, I'm too old for this shit. Like, I can't, like, <laughs> like oh, it's no. hot. Like, it's so hot. What are people thinking? Like, but, you know, at the same time, it was so great and so gratifying. And to uh, number one thing for me is like, I've been in bands, you know, on and off since I was like 13 years old. And mm-hmm. actually one of the dudes I'm in this band with, we were in a band with when we were 16. So there's a lot of a lot of brotherhood and deep deep brotherhood and respect in this band. But uh, nice. but um, we were we were you know I've been doing this for forever and uh, I've had a lot of different scenarios and sometimes you're like yeah dude this is totally cool evil reggae it's like so cool it's like reggae but all dark and goth and people are like I don't know Josh it's kind of I don't know. Like, no, 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 seriously, it's, this is super cool. It's just like my other stuff. It's like, you know, Soundgarden, fucking Alice in Chains, but, but it's all electronic beep, boop, boop. No, Josh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Josh. I don't know, buddy. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a good, a, a good seed meets the good earth. And, and all of a sudden it's fucking electric funeral again. And, uh, 
And, uh, you know, it, it, the music speaks for itself. The music does the talking. You don't have to flap about making excuses about bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm playing uh, the principal writer uh, in the band along with me is uh, this dude named um, James O'Brien. And he's from England, and which is a good sign when it comes to rock music. And um, he, he, he's just, <clears throat> he's an amazing guitar player, very much along the lines of like a Kurt Cobain. And yeah. uh, I am, I'm, you know, I was really moved by the uh, Seattle sound when I was younger, but I was already involved in it. So our band sounded like that, our band Jesus Chrysler back in the day. Mm. Um, when, the first time I heard Alice in Chains, my, my buddy's older brother uh, put a, the headphones on me and I was frying on mushrooms and he put, put, put on facelift. And I was like, holy shit. He goes, it sounds like your band. And I was like, whoa. And it, it did. It's, it, it, it's all that, all the guttural, you know, screaming and all that stuff. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I really, I enjoyed. And, and in the flies, it was totally different. It was like, you know, a completely other facet of what uh, I, w- I am interested in as far as music, because my musical tastes are really wide. Like I could go from like Japanese, like crazy, like art rock, like weird fucking um, Ruchi Sakamoto to like all of a sudden be listening to Pantera or Slayer or then in the next moment be listening to, you know, Glenn Gould and the, the Goldberg variations and then, uh, you know, something from Pakistan and Nusrat Fatih Ali Khan and the, you know, I mean, it's fucking, it's, it's ridiculous. And I love, like, I love music and I have to have it when I paint. So I'm constantly listening to this shit and I've blown out all of my favorites. So now I'm on new shit, weird shit that like, I never really paid attention to. And some of it is okay. Like Duran Duran didn't really age well. Like, you know, <laughs> Depeche Mode did definitely, and right. that's that's one you can definitely reach back into the cult, mm. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, um, you know, Raise Against the Machine. I always kind of had a little bit of some uh, some kind of uh, R and B or urban um, influence in my personal style. You know, whether it was singing like the blues, I mean, even the blues, the blues is black music. So, I mean, you know, I always, I always felt like I was conceived of something between like Stevie Wonder and, you know, I mean, even Sam Cooke and um, gosh, you know, Philip Bailey, um, you know, it's, it's, there's so much R&B and so much like singing and, so yeah, the Jafakin thing it was like, I call it Jafakin because obviously I'm not Jamaican, right? But, yeah. um, you know, I am a Jew, which actually technically gives me the right to do that because there's this whole like, you know, uh, Queen of Sheba deal and blah, 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 Solomon. I got a tattoo, but anyway, hmm. um, that was from uh, being in, 
involved with the Black Flies sunglass brand and work, working with those cats. Um, being, I was like recovering from a heavy duty drug overdose. And I was, I was just like um, in the back, uh, uh, shipping and handling, stuff like that. And uh, the bands and the mu music and the musicians that were kind of um, coalescing around Black Flies and the, the style and the energy and the punk rock kind of sensibility that they had was like corn was a big one, um, which I was not a fan of. Um, but uh, Sublime was a huge one, which I was a big fan of um, because I had already played music with Brad. Um, he was very uh, he was very kind and very uh, encouraging when we played together in like 1991 he told me oh wow josh you sound like ozzy black sabbath is you know he was totally stoked on black sabbath and um and uh so i felt like you know and I, I had a relationship with brad and i had a relationship i have a relationship with troy and you know they my brother jonathan was a big part of supporting them in the beginning and um they, they you know they love the Pascoach family and i felt like i was kind of bequeathed with the rightfulness of like to do that you know what i mean mm -hmm. and bradley had passed and everyone was kind of being like fake bradley's everywhere and um my brother adam was playing with his band uh, in uh, Park City, Utah. And his manager at the time was this woman named Michelle. I forget her last name, but she was the actual Michelle from the Guns N' Roses song. And oh, wow. um, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> we were playing this like, <clears throat> I don't know, it's a bunch of like resort fucking punkers, like, you know, like just total kooks. And they were giving my brother Adam some shit. And um, and uh, he came up to me with tears in his eyes and he's like, Josh, you got to take the mic. You know, this is like, this is fucked up. I can't deal with this. And I was like, okay. And I, um, I started doing, I was like, I started doing, um, you know, the, the Bradley, the Bradley shtick. I was like, I, I sang like DJ and a couple other things. Anyway, we turned the whole thing around from like, you know, it was, it was a way more relatable sound. And the manager was like, Josh has to be in the band. So I was like, my brother was pissed. It was kind of like weird. And I kind of just like totally just like ingratiated myself in there, like kind of like a sleazy little slug. I just, I was just kind of like, like kind of like an octopus. I just got around there and just ended up. And my brother was, was great because he he wasn't having it he he wanted he wanted to be the lead singer and he was over my bullshit and, <laughs> and he kept me kind of locked away from all the business and the publishing and the money making and the everything and but you know when we were like playing because we did great at radio hmm. and then we would play these radio festivals and that put us like way back in the lineup because we were number one and um we would open up for like really really good stars in front of gigantic crowds and when i say gigantic i mean 20 30 40 50 60 70 7, 000 was the biggest one we ever did so yeah. so when you're a 77,000 person crowd 
is a living, breathing, like a city. And it, and it, it makes a sound and it's like really scary. It's very, very <laughs> scary. Shit shakes. And you see people, you wow. see people, you see people just, you see people just dissolve, you know, you yeah. see mofos shooting heroin, you know, you see, you see people puking in the corner. You see people like, just like having like uh, imposter syndrome so bad. They don't even know what their own name is. And uh, <laughs> no, literally they have to change their identity to get on stage. Like, no, no, I'm Marilyn Manson now, or I'm somebody, you know what I mean? Mm. It's totally fake. I could give a, excuse my language. I don't know if you're allowed oh, to you go ahead. Me. But seriously, I could give a fuck about any of that shit. I grew up in the streets. I grew up in the jungle. I, you know, I had fucking rabies when I was 12. I'm a fucking animal. So, so I was like, I was like the gimp that they would like release from the dungeon. And I would get, I would go up there and fully confront that beast. Like I was born to do it. Like I had no compunction whatsoever. And it would go straight onto the railing and fucking just get it. And I would, I would, I would, you know, I made sure that it was total mayhem, chaos, you know, fences breaking, fucking absolute, just total destruction. Uh, because it was very easy because we had kind of like, you know, my brother Adam and I we were both singing. He can sing like a mofo. And when we're both singing and I'm scatting and rapping, singing and rhyming and fucking harmonizing and doing all that shit, it's a thing. It's really a thing. So, so, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a great pleasure to be able to be a part of that in that moment. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't really make it all work out because we were really, it was a shell game thing. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like, oh no, I'm the singer. No, you're the singer. No, we're both the singer. No, I'm the singer and you're the roadie. And it was all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. I don't even have money to pay my bills, but I'm like, the main dude like how the fuck did this happen like yeah. totally iced out of all the everything but then you know when i left the band i got some pretty good offers like um oh just a bunch actually not that great but um uh the dude from um lincoln park was like the guy don gilmore who invented lincoln park he um he loved the flies and he actually invented Lincoln Park partially as a con with the flies being the concept of it's, you know, a singer and a rapper or whatever. I was never a rapper. I was never, I always loved hip hop and everything, but I never thought I could be a rapper because it's just too much. Anyway, he was like, he wanted me to be the rapper. And I was like, no, no can do. I'll be the screamer, dude. I'll be the dude. I'll be the singer, dude, because I want to be a singer. But I just didn't want to have to be that that dude with the like he acts like he's playing the guitar and he says like four words a song. Fuck that. <laughs> you know, I'm not into that. I'm I'm more after that. I just went solo and went on my own deal and wrote a bunch of weird songs and got like a little bit of a of a development deal from Island Records. Worked with Chris Goss. He had Ian Asprey in the studio. He hated it. He told me, bro, this doesn't sound evil at all. What are you doing? And I was like, you're right. Fuck. Evil reggae sucks. And um, it was funny. No, it was, it was a great experience. I got to play with some great cats. You know, I got to open up for um, uh, the Jeff Buckley. Um, uh, the, the Jeff Buckley documentary was uh, in L.A. and they had a they had a concert. 
and um, I got to sing uh, there. And Mary Mary Gaber was there, and she was, um, you know, she gave me a standing ovation, and she told me, you know, you can sing my son's music anytime. And you know, so stuff like that was like I felt like, you know. I have participated in this. Oh, also, I did that thing with Chris Goss. That was super cool. I was on a Masters of Reality record, which is Masters is like the desert, you know, the Caius and Queens of the Stone Age and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Chris Goss is like the godfather of all that. And uh, I was able to be on a Masters of Reality record with like uh, Mark Lanigan and just, uh, you know, Josh Homme and amazing, amazing artists. And I felt like, well, you know what? I did that and that's cool. And, you know, I just, the whole music industry changed. The entire, the entire concept of what music meant changed. And for me, I saw mm -hmm. the logos getting bigger and bigger and bigger and the artists getting sadder and sadder and sadder. Yeah. And, and then when Chris Cornell passed, I was dealing with a lot of stuff myself and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I really rejected that whole thing and just said, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to carry the torch. Uh, you know, I can sing like a freak. Like I have no problem. You want to get into a singing contest, anyone in the world, I'll bring it right now. That fool with the fucking on TikTok with the red beard or whatever, all that. What? bring it i'm i'm totally not afraid so so you know i have that but i also feel like like the ro that role of like the strong male lead in rock mm -hmm. it's been supported by really by eddie better and anthony kiedis and and um uh uh, uh homie from food fighters dave uh, Dave, uh, it's a few guys. I mean, they've held up the whole fucking thing yeah. and for like 20 years, you know, a f just a few dudes. Like, yeah. I, I think maybe they need a little help. Like maybe, you know, like it would be, it would be, it would be like fine for us to open up for like the Red Hot Chili Peppers or whatever. That would be, I could do that. I, I mean, I have the confidence to do that. I might go out there and make a complete fucking idiot of myself. Every step of the way, I'll be totally confident. It's a sickness. It's a fucking sickness. I can't help it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. But 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 anyway, yeah. So so I'm very excited to be playing music again. And then somewhere in in all of that, I started painting and you know learned how to commercially exist in the world. Uh, like you know, uh, as a Pasquitz, you know, we weren't really didn't know anything about money or finances or, you know, living in society or whatever. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I just had to figure out a way to uh, support myself and my family. Mm. And I've always done it through, you know, creative means. So now things are going much better with the <clears throat> painting and everything. And I'm able to um, put some, energy into playing music again so i'm super excited to share the star zero uh stuff with everyone we were um we were uh produced by a guy named cameron webb 
who is a dude who did um, mostly uh, notable for the Motorhead. And so he's a really like serious, hardcore, old school rock, like iconic producer. He did, especially in our area, like I live in Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. And um, down here, like no effects, Pennywise, Long Beach Sub All Star, uh, stuff like that is very, um, it's very popular. And he is, he did all that. So, oh, wow. yeah, he's kind of like the top dude down here, I would say. It's pretty safe to say. And um, he, uh, you know, his work with Motorhead was really amazing. And he actually has Lemmy's Ashes. Um, so we were like, we, we, we felt like Lemmy was kind of like, um, our, our patron saint as we recorded mm. these six songs with, um, with Cameron and he kicked our butts. Like he, he, he totally took all my confidence and just rammed it right back down my throat and said, it was like, he, he just, he really made us raise our level, you know? And, uh, one, one cool thing was that he uh, kind of enabled me to dip into a little bit of the Jafakin and the other aspects of the, the vocals that I do um, and kind of took me off the chain as far as like um, how he how narrow creatively we wanted to have this band like width of creative spectrum and kind of blew it wide open. So, um, you know, it really helps like when one of the crew is like a legendary fucking warlord, it really helps. It really, really helps because you're like, is this cool? And they're like, let me see. Hmm, Yes. And then you're like, perfect. And then or they're like, no, 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 no. It's not really cool. And then you're like, well, what would make it cool? And they're like, what if you did it like that? And then you do it. And then they're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then you know that it's cool and you don't have to sit there and be like, oh, is it good? It feels you know like I mean? it's justified, you know, like. Oh, uh, uh, 100%. And, and I feel like the best producers are the ones that will like, you know, work you hard to get what they want out of you, but they still make you sound like the best you, are, best you, you know, like, so they get all those aspects out of you, like you said, the different styles and everything that makes you, you. That's exactly right. He 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 made me he found out what was cool about what I do uniquely mm-hmm. and then invested into that and then basically made you know was tremendously gratifying uh to me to think that like I could satisfy somehow. You know, we 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 had been pursuing him for a long time. I never hoid of him. My guitar player was like obsessed with his shit and and he was like no, we got to get Cameron away. We got to get Cameron away. And then when we finally started working with him, I kind of got, I kind of started to understand when I, when I went over, like, when I started to understand how deep his, you know, he was in the room when they, when they produced, uh, you know, some of the big Limp Biscuit tracks. He was, you know, he was turning knobs on records that sold millions and millions and millions of copies. Like, like he definitely, knows what the fuck he's talking about so mm. it, it was just so freeing it's like you know and and i think we're all in the right place now like as far as you know being 48 and like not even giving a fuck about anything i don't drink or do any i don't i don't want any glamour or anything i'm married 
I'm not going to get laid. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to do drugs. I would rather die than do drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to go. I want to go to bed at like 10 o'clock. I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want to do really a lot of this stuff, but I've found that it's super helpful and, and mentally um, healthy for me. And I've, uh, I've found that by keeping music as part of who I am, it makes every other part of who I am better. Mm. and um that's just a, a testament to the magic of music and how meaningful and wonderful it is and you know um rock music is really inspiring and has a lot of people that really love rock music and and swear by it and feel like you know rock music is part of their identity and I, me being one of them mm-hmm. and you know by w- with cameron's help us being able to you know even our six song ep just having that has you know really opened up a tremendous amount of doors for us and the uh the music is speaking for itself it's really not we we don't have to say shit i get a call every day like oh we got this going on that going on you know and, and it's really just the music it's just people hear the music and um they they like it uh so i'm very grateful for that we got to play a clip of star zero on the show we got to share that yeah, absolutely. I'll send you a. I'll send you the single that we're we're gonna uh, release the single on December set on December tenth. Oh, excellent! So I'll, I'll send it to you.
messages. We'll be right back. Yeah. Guess what, friends? I have a new voicemail number just for you. Give us a call at Dope Nostalgia. Our number is 780-851-8785. Leave us a message. Pick up the phone just like you used to in the old days. Remember before text messaging? Yeah, we used to actually call each other. If you just want to be heard and be on the podcast, give us a call. Once again, our Dope Nostalgia Hotline, 780-851-8785. Pick up the phone. Remember, this number is Canadian, so long-distance charges may apply. Ah, it's Christmas, and while other stores are busy going, ho, 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 Wilco's busy chipping away at their prices. Here's proof. When you care enough to send the very best, Hallmark's assorted box of 30 cards and envelopes is just $5.98 at Wilco. Keep going. Sleep tight in our wide selection of boys' licensed pajamas or men's flannel or broadcloth pajamas, now just $13.99. Here's the proof. Nice work. Take Christmas off. Till noon. I love yeah. Canada. You know, we, we went, love you. We went back and forth across Canada twice. And I played everywhere from I played in Saskatoon. I played everywhere. I played. Uh, ah. I played uh, on the slopes of the frickin' Kananaskas frickin', uh, in the B.C. And then all the way on in Montreal on the other side. Wow. And then so so I went cross country four fucking times. In, in a van, in a or in a bus. Oh no, we were in a proper bus at that time. Oh good. And it was wild. Let me tell you, it was. That wild. is so hard to tour Canada, you know, even in a bus because it's just so fucking big. It was big <laughs> and it was hard and it was amazing and we had so much fun. It was yeah. such wonderful audiences and we were on tour with Eve Six at the time and they were blowing up, and it was such a great time and such appreciative audiences and. Um, I have so many friends there, I think, from our, our whole relationship with BMG and everything. I I um, would love to go back to Canada and, you know, uh, rock out again there because I feel like uh, we could we could really we could really do it. <laughs> Anytime. Let's do it. Do it. All right. When, well, you, when, you, when you're ready, when you're ready, you let me know. I'll help you out here in Edmonton. <laughs> we got hey, the venues. Don't... <laughs> no problem. Actually, we're we're we are ready. We're 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 ready to rock. And now with the EP and the single, and we're going back in the studio to create the full record. Um, it's great because before we didn't know exactly what we were doing. We we were just putting ourselves out there because we wanted to make a record before we died, and we wanted it to reflect who we were. Period. We had no ambition. But then when we started getting into the music and like making that kind of music live again then people got really excited. And now that it's at the place it, it is and we're looking toward making a record and really, you know, really uh, promoting the, the music and like expressing the music it, 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 on the largest possible stage we can, um, it's, it's fucking exciting. It's really exciting and really, uh, I'm really grateful for, for everyone's um, kindness. And um, I just am really uh, eager to get back on stage and do what I, I what I think I do the best. But like I said, I'm like I'm an arrogant bastard. I got fucking narcissistic personalities in the <laughs> best way. 
<laughs> well, thank you so Love much. Was, oh, it's it been a, a pleasure getting to know you, and uh, you're very inspiring. It was a good conversation. Well, Especially, well, you're strong. You survived rabies. What the fuck? Yeah, I did. I got those 14 shots in the spine. That was gnarly. Yeah, Damn. my my upbringing was wild. I, I I really can't even tell you all the all the harrowing adventures that I had, but um. But, you know, I'm excited to now be in this part of my life where I can reflect on that stuff and share some of the wonderful lessons that I've learned uh, in all that. And especially creatively, because you know how the arts touch people in a way that other stuff just can't, you know. So so to, to be able to have my my creative output uh, rooted in in painting and music and, and performance and all that stuff, it's just a blessing. I'm just so grateful and that's a perfect word yeah i'm so grateful i'm so grateful and i thank you so much for having me on oh it was amazing and thanks for sharing your art with us too oh yeah that's sick huh yeah (laughs) i'm a fan i'm a fan (laughs) thank you so much Unless you follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785 and cut it out. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.